Community Church Podcast. This is Drew. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Community Church. And today we have very special guests. Um, in fact, we are uh, somehow transmitting communication over the ocean to Prague to uh, talk to some hopesters who are over there and have been over there for a little while, Michelle and David. And um, they're going to explain what's going on there and why they're there and um we're going to hopefully hear a lot about family and church and what that looks like. And uh, I'm really excited for this and thankful. So welcome to the podcast, friends. Hey, thanks, Drew. Yeah. Hi, Drew. Uh, hello from the future. It's nine o'clock in the evening here. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're blowing my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's start with kind of uh, maybe give a real short kind of who you are and where where you are at and what and why you're there what you're doing there yeah okay so um i'm michelle legault i'm married to david legault and we have two children who are ages three and five and we have been living in the uh, czech republic for well, this is our third year now yeah almost three years um and we are missionaries um, and we teach for an international christian school here in prague which is the capital city of uh, the czech republic and we're also part of a bilingual uh, czech english church plant that is in the also in prague in the center of the city well that's cool do i hear a little person in the background yeah, that's a little person who's supposed to be sleeping, <laughs> but she's chiming in. She says, the school you teach at is CISP. So she's throwing in her two cents. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Do you need yeah. to do you need to go help her? No, she's fine. <laughs> she's great. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Oh, OK, maybe and she wants to speak some Czech for you. I, mean, oh, I would, would love that. I love that. OK. Yeah, I love that. Come here, Winifred. Come here. Oh, she's so funny. Okay. When he goes to Shkolka, um, which is like um, preschool and kindergarten combined, and she's been doing that for three years. And so uh, this year her check has really taken off and she gets really excited Ooh. about trans. Here, come here. Come closer so you can hear you. Okay. Can you say, that's not a dog. That's a cat. Something you basically could chica. Well done. Can you say, I speak English and Czech? Yeah, uh, <laughs> That is a smart girl. Yeah, good job. Do you want to you give her something to say? I, you can see, I, I don't know, like, you don't know her list of vocabulary, but go ahead. You could give her something, Drew, and see if she, um, when she does could, it. Could she say hello and have a good night? Hi. Mm-hmm. That means good night. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. You know way yep. more than I know. That's <laughs> that's incredible. No check. Uh, you're right. I don't know check. You say you don't speak Czech to Drew. So you don't speak Czech. <laughs> you said that in the way that you'd also say that. I felt it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you did feel that. Yeah. Okay. Felt like a con- All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Winnie. That was- Thanks, Winnie. That was a bonus. I like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
She she so she is so confident in her Czech. She's really funny. If we go out somewhere and um, the person speaks Czech to me, sometimes she looks at them and she'll say in Czech, "My mother doesn't speak Czech." Oh and my goodness! Know what she's saying? Like I know enough to know dissing me. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, so I. We, yeah, I take um, Czech as well, but um, I'm not immersed in it all day like Winnie is. And I um, I know more grammar rules than she does. Like, I know when she's making mistakes, but she uh, speaks better than I do. And she is also learning more, like, colloquial, colloquial I can't speak, phrases. Like, she sounds more Czech when she speaks because I'm learning, mm-hmm. like, textbook Czech. And she's learning, you know, Czech, Czech out in the real world. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. So our kids go to Czech Skolka. Um, and then next year, Winifred, we'll see, we haven't figured out primary school she'll go to, but that's our challenge right now is figuring out what to do with her for next year. So we're, we're figuring that out at the moment, but yeah, cause she'll be in grade one and then, yeah, we don't have a school picked out yet, but we'll see. Oh, that is cool. That was a good yeah. bonus. I like that. Yeah, it's good. How, well, let's get to the, just kind of the quick story, or, or maybe it's not so quick. How did you get there? Why are you there now and not in Minnesota? What are some of the things that led you there? And maybe explain some of that to us. We turned 30. Um, <laughs> and we were like, we had like a 30-year crisis, I guess. I don't know. We were like, oh, what are we doing with our lives, right? Like... And we, I don't know, we just, we had talked about being willing to pick up and move. I don't know if you know this, Drew, but the way that we moved to Minnesota even was really fast. Like we got married on um, August 8, 2008, and we were in a Honda Accord moving to Minnesota on August 9, 2008. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just kind of how, how we do it, I guess. But um, yeah, we, we started just kind of thinking about the possibility of this, and then things just moved very fast. We're working with um, a missionary organization called Teach Beyond, and they just help to place um, missionaries in in schools around the world, basically. So we did an interview with them, and and that yeah. was in April of 2016. Yeah, and then by uh, August of 2016, we were funded for two years, and we were gone. So, wow. what's so, the name of the organization? I think we missed that. Teach Beyond. Teach Beyond. Yeah. How did yeah. you find them? So that's a longer story, um, but we uh, have a house in Minneapolis, which I think you know, and we have a spare bedroom that we've always rented out cheaply to uh, usually someone from Hope or some student or someone who, who needs a place to live. Um, and one, one person who moved in with us, uh, we didn't know, and this is the first time this had happened. Um, her name was Grace and she was the first person who ever lived with us, who we really had no previous connection to. And, um, 
but she had like come to the end of her lease and like had to move within a week. And she had friends who went to hope and saw that we had advertised on the city that we had this room and she contacted us and she was willing to move in sight unseen. And we're like, Whoa, 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 (laughs) maybe you should come look at it and see what you think first, (laughs) you know? And I'm also thinking as a mother and that room is in the same hallway as my child's bedroom. So I would just like to meet you (laughs) and know who you are. Um, and she was lovely. She had grown up as a missionary kid in uh, Japan with her family. Um, she is like me. She's one of six children. And I, so I bonded with her over that. That was really cool. Um, but her sister is with Teach Beyond in Tanzania. And so we heard about mm. Teach Beyond through Grace. And when her sister would come home from Tanzania, she would stay with us at our house. And so we got to chat with her. And also, um, Emily Kramer, who... Um, I don't know if she still goes to Hope, but she had just left Hope as we were arriving to go serve at a school in Germany. And we found out that was also with Teach Beyond. So she had been on a hospitality team with us when we very, very first started going to in 2009. And um, she, you know, she was really sweet. And we, I had talked to her about going to Germany because I had studied German in school. And so that Um, stuck with me. And then as we were researching Teach Beyond, I somehow made the connection or someone told me or remembered, I don't know, that that's also who Emily had gone with. And so we got to talk to some people we knew um, who had had good experiences with the organization. And I think that is what um, helped push us in that direction Um, because there are a lot of different organizations out there. Mm -hmm. But it helps if you know somebody who can really you know, speak to their own experience well, and it's somebody you trust and respect, you know? So yeah. which both of those girls, uh, we highly value their opinions. Yeah. So that and was helpful. I was going to say, and I think also it was, it was helpful for us because I mean, I think obviously teach beyond it's right in the name, right? Like it's with teaching overseas. And I think that was something that we both have just felt really like, strongly about our passion for for teaching and for education um i mean i think there's a lot of i mean the the term missionary can mean so many things right and usually when you tell people you're a missionary they picture that you're you know planting a church in africa or something you know and Mm -hmm. so you kind of get a funny look when it's like no i'm actually going to live in prague you know this really cool old eastern european city um but but I think that's just a great thing with this organization is they've kind of just helped us to to kind of get connected with, I think, where we felt like our skills and our passion was leading us, basically. Oh, that's great. What and then what do you do? What is what does it look like there to teach or I I don't know I don't know anything about it. So maybe give us kind of a daily what that looks like or overview of what your work is there. Sure. So we work at an international Christian school um, and our school is certified by the Czech Ministry of Education, but then also um, through some different organizations in the U.S. So the students who graduate from our school can go on to a university in the U.S. or they can stay here and go to a European university. Um, it's grades one through 12 in our, in our school. Um, most grades have anywhere from, there's like one class per grade and they have anywhere from like, I don't know, 10 to 
20-ish students per class. So it's smaller. Um, last year's graduating class was 22. And in the 14 years the school has been open, that's been their biggest graduating class ever. Their first graduating oh. class had just one student. Um so, um, but they've been, they've been growing quite a bit, even just in the time that we've been here, their growth has been, I mean, it's not an exaggeration to say exponential and they have reached the maximum capacity for the building that they're in. Um, the buildings here are super interesting because everything is sandwiched together, like side, literally side by side. There's no space between the buildings and a lot of the buildings are shared spaces. So like when you go into our school's building, they share the building with three other schools and we all use the same main entrance but then once you get inside the building it's all divided up kind of like if you um, are in like an old house in Minneapolis that's divided into apartments you know it's sort of like that but this is our school Um, and this building has been divided up in schools Um, so, yeah, I mean, so we we get to school in, in the morning around like 730 or 8. Um, and then David teaches uh, high, some high school classes in English and history. And I teach uh, sixth grade English, physical education and help with uh, the elementary chapel. Um, so, yeah, it's it's probably similar to other small schools in the U.S. Like once you're inside, it feels very American. Most teachers are missionaries, um, from the U S we have one token Canadian. Um, and we have, uh, Czech natives teaching Czech language classes. So like, um, so if they're not American missionaries and you're not the one Canadian, um, then you're probably a Czech teacher teaching Czech language. Um, and then all students at the school for the most part are required to te- to learn some Czech as a part of living in the Czech Republic. So like that's a requirement that the city has for residents. So even our kids, because they live here are supposed to take exams every year, um, to like prove that they can speak Czech. Um, there, mm-hmm. yeah, all the kids, they're like these exams that they go through, um, to, I don't know, like for grammar and speaking. Um, and so native Czechs at our school have to take a more rigorous Czech um, course so that they can keep up with those exams. And then non-native speakers take a less intense, more like elective course a few times a week where they learn Czech um, yeah, as an active language. Yeah, I think back to the primary question, I think like day to day, it is very much like being at a school in the U.S., right? Um, But I do think there are things that make it very distinct, obviously, with all of the teachers or most of the teachers coming in as missionaries, right? Um, But we... um, I mean, there is just a focus on biblical integration into the classes. So, you know, I am teaching um, a world history class right now to some ninth grade students and it's very much like a normal ninth grade history class but i think there's a lot more intention on you know just trying to to put some kind of biblical application understanding how how things piece together looking at the role of the early church in you know the founding of some of these countries both good and bad if you're looking at you know something like the crusades but um 
you know, a lot of that is very similar. I think where it is really interesting, or I think what has been most exciting for us is just the chance to really do community outreach and kind of do some bonding through that. So because everyone is coming in as, as missionaries into, into the system, the tuition is considerably lower for the students and the quality of education is, is very high, especially if you're looking for an English language education, you know, in the Czech Republic. So we have situations where families who would consider themselves atheists will send their kids to a Christian school. Or I had some Muslim students in my homeroom last year. And I always have that image in my mind of, you know, thinking of an atheist or a Muslim family sending their kids to a Christian school, but it's kind of because it's cheap and because of the quality of the education. And as a result of that, we kind of have really unique opportunities to speak the gospel when kids wouldn't otherwise be able to hear it. Well, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I think they estimate that only about half of the families at the school or the kids at the school are from Christian families. Um, so, and that's, that's intentional that um, they don't require that the families be Christian to send their kids to the school. Um, and like David was saying, because the teachers come in as missionaries, the school does not pay us a salary at all. We get paid zero dollars <laughs> by the school. Um, any salary we earn is uh, raised through support. Um, and then then all the tuition that the kids pay goes into the building or goes into the materials or other things, all the other things that go into education other than salaries. But, you know, when you run a business, your most expensive asset is usually your employees. So by not paying the staff, um, the school can save a lot of money. And I think, um, like when I looked at other international English speaking schools earlier this fall, I was looking at their tuition compared to ours. Um, and we spoke to some churches this summer. So I'd been looking at those numbers just to, um, be able to share that information. And our tuition was around 30 to 50% the cost of the other schools in the area. So not 30% savings, but a 70% savings, you know, or a 50% savings. So it's, it's really huge. And, um, here it's really hard to find an English speaking school, uh, that's not expensive, right? All the English speaking schools, a lot of them are British schools and cost a lot, lot of money. Um, and that, that's why CISP was created in the first place. Um, so it stands for the Christian international school of Prague. Um, and it was founded by some missionary families who wanted their kids to have an English education, but they couldn't afford to send them to the schools in Prague because they're too expensive. And certainly when you go outside of Prague, then there's really almost no English speaking option available. We have kids who get bused in um, like on public charter buses. Some of them take or a train, like a two hour ride to school in the morning because their parents are planting churches in villages outside of the city. And, um, you know, and they they don't have an English speaking option out there. And um, Czech is a very difficult language to learn. So if you come in and you're Winifred's age and you're young enough and you can really learn it well, maybe you could go to high school in a Czech speaking environment and be fine. But if you are, you know, coming in as a middle schooler or a high schooler and your parents are serving as missionaries, 
there's no way you could go to school in Czech and survive. You know, you needed something mm-hmm. in English. Um, so a lot of the kids at our school who are Christian come from missionary families. We have um, families with YWAM, with, um, oh, what's, what's the one that Martin's with? What, is, what was he with? I can't think of, oh, Young Life. Yeah, Young yeah. Um, there are various church plants, um, throughout Prague, um, the pastor's children will come to our school. Um, so that's really cool that we get to serve, uh, the children of these missionaries. And then we also get to serve families who haven't even heard who Jesus is. Like we had a first grader from South Korea last year who didn't even know who Jesus was. She hadn't even heard his name before. And to me, that's like so incredible because my, my, children are three and five and they hear his name every day. (laughs) And so I can't imagine growing up and being seven and not really having any idea who he is. Um, And then here in uh, the Czech Republic um, for Christmas, instead of Santa delivering your gifts, it's Jesus who delivers gifts. And it's not just any Jesus, it's baby Jesus. And he's called Yezeshek and Yezeshek will fly through your window and deliver your gifts. And instead of leaving him cook, you leave out crib for him so he can rest on his long journey. And so that's cool. That's fun. Yeah, it is. But then it's also really sad because they grow up thinking that he's mythical the way that we think of Santa as mythical. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you grow up to learn that Santa doesn't come down your chimney and he doesn't really deliver your gifts, gifts, but he's completely fabricated, right? Like, um, and maybe Mm -hmm. he's sort of based on St. Nicholas a little bit, but really like this idea of Santa Claus and the big red suit with the hat and the bag, like that's just made up. And, but Yezishek is really not like there was a baby Jesus, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and he really does have gifts for you. Just not things that go under your tree. And it, it, so it's just really interesting that here they, they grow up and then they learn that he's a myth like the Easter bunny or like Santa Claus. And so that, yeah, that's an interesting opportunity too to get to share with um, kids who really have not heard the name of Jesus before and have no idea who he is. Um, at our school, there are children from about 30 different countries um, and a lot of them speak two or three languages. So on the surface, yeah, it looks it looks very, and functions very much like an American school, but then there are a lot of things about this school that make it so unique and so different, you know, um, certainly, uh, in like history classes or politics classes, I think the discussions get a lot more interesting because their viewpoints are so varied and they have so many different experiences. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, like what, what other questions do you have now that we've like, talk to you off that oh that's that was that is really cool um to hear what you're doing and um i'm curious as you talk about church plants and things what does that look like for you then is it like the school community a church or are you just are you part of a local church or how does that look for you then um so when we first came to prague in the summer of 2016 we met this um young couple they're um, we're younger than they are, but I would still consider them young. Um, and they had been living in, um, 
Prague already for about five or six years. And they were a part of um, a church that was just celebrating its 10th anniversary. Um, And this couple um, came here initially, like their goal was to eventually plant a Czech English church. And now that the parent church had reached the 10th anniversary, um, it was sort of the time for this plant um, to happen. And they were looking to build a team and we met them one of the first weekends that we were here through mutual friends at school. So this couple is not connected to CISP in any way. Um, but there are not very many English speaking church options in Prague. There may be four or five in the whole city. Um, and how, how big is Prague? Um, how many people? The outer ring is like over a million. So it's similar to like Twin Cities Metro. Okay. Sure. Okay. But yeah, if you think of like in the Twin Cities only having four or five churches that you could choose from. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, and there, there are others. I'm sure there might also be like little home things happening. But, you know, as far as like churches that meet in buildings that are really widely known about, um, they're just a handful, you know, especially ones that are that are really catering toward um, English speaking um, people. Um, so anyway, so we met this couple through one of those other churches and they were talking to us um, over the summer about their vision of planning a Czech English church. And we were really passionate about learning as much as we could about the Czech culture. And, um, we wanted our kids to be exposed to the language because, um, we really wanted to be able to reach out to people and to understand, uh, you know, that the history of the Czech Republic and where people are coming from and just like, um, and it, language is also useful to have while you're living in a place, right? It's helpful to yeah. know uh, how to speak to people. Um, and so we love the idea of the Czech English plant. And it was also convenient for us because they were looking to plant the church kind of in our neighborhood. And we thought, oh, perfect. Um, and with hope, we almost had gone out with um, the church plant um, that the Hammonds uh, started. Uh, but that was the summer that Winnie was diagnosed with diabetes. And so we put the brakes on that because we had other things at that time to focus on. And I remember so clearly meeting with Dave and he had this great vision of like how many hours he thought everybody on the team should be able to contribute so that like um, it could be a well-functioning team with like everybody pitching in. And it sounded so great. I mean, he just had such a, a great vision. Um, and then when Winnie was diagnosed, we were like, oh my gosh, like we need people supporting us right now. We need to be stepping back from things rather than taking on more. Um, And so we decided not to go with the plant. And then I I think we felt like being in Prague and meeting Jake and Melissa Hunt was sort of God reintroducing this idea saying like, hey, you could still be good for a plant here. Here's a new way to look at it. Um, so yeah, we started chatting with them and, uh, we became a part of their launch team. And this fall, um, our church, which is called Doslova, which means into the word celebrated their first anniversary. And they've grown from a, like a launch team of about 20 people to a church of about 60 people. Wow. So, yeah. That so is that, cool. 
Yeah, it's been really cool. It's been a blessing uh, to be a part of that process. Um, and it hasn't been a super easy process, especially here. Um, church is like a very foreign concept. There isn't a great word for congregation in Czech uh, because there aren't a lot of congregations. <laughs> yeah. Um, percentages of like... Oh, yeah. It's like David wants to share the percentages. It's like over 90% atheist um, here. So most people identify with nothing or um, if they say that they're spiritual, it's like they believe there's something in the cosmos, but they don't know what it is. Um, so there, there really are a very small number of people who would say that they're Christian or that they believe in God or Jesus. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's really like non-existent in the culture, just this idea of church and um, and worship. And so finding a space to worship in is a supremely difficult task because a lot of landlords don't want to rent you. They don't understand why you want to meet on a Sunday when everything is closed on Sundays. Um, neighbors don't like all the noise and the crowds that church can bring. We initially we're using a space that the Salvation Army here has um, and we're meeting there for a few Sundays but this space was like um, in the courtyard of this apartment building so like on all sides we were surrounded by apartments and the people in that apartment complex didn't like all the foot traffic going through their courtyard on Sunday and so yeah. the Salvation Army wasn't able to extend like a long-term lease to us and now we meet in a bar uh, and the bar in literally a bar they serve drinks on uh every other day of the week uh one of the jobs of the hospitality team is to sweep up glass uh, off the ground <laughs> um yeah i mean it's it's literally a bar it's hazardous elvin uh was running through there fell and split his head open and had to get stitches so it's <laughs> it's dangerous um, work it's, it's a bar in all senses of the word <laughs> um but in we share that space with another church. So we use that uh, bar at 10 a.m. on Sunday and they meet at four on Sunday. So that that's really how difficult and how rare it is to find a space to meet. Um, often that and that's not uncommon. There are other churches who share their spaces. There's like uh, an English speaking Baptist church that shares their space with I think it's like a Korean church or um, or maybe it's a Czech church. But so a lot of shared spaces. Once you find uh, a place to meet, um, yeah. you hold on to it and you, may, you share it with another community because they're so hard to find because people think you're a cult or they think like you're too loud or they think. Um, you know, they don't want you there. Um, it's, it's so. pretty, it's pretty ironic because Prague as a city has been, I mean, standing since like the 1200s or 1300s or something. And there are all these beautiful old like cathedrals and like, I mean, 400 year old church buildings, but now there's this like either concerts in them or it'll be like a bank lobby or something. I mean, it's just really, it's really they have these buildings, but they just aren't used really for for worship. It's more like tourism at this point. Right. People walk through them just to take pictures of them. And there is like a gold baby Jesus that you can go get pictures of and people will go pray to it like it's an idol. Like I kid you not, there is like this church building in the center of Prague with 
a gold baby Jesus dressed up like a little pope. And people will come from all over the world to pray to this baby Jesus. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Like, I didn't believe it until I saw it. And then, um, I mean, and it's so sad. Like, and it's so, it's so weird. It, like you to make a golden idol out of Jesus. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> literally, yeah. but it, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah ironic, and it, but. yeah. It's weird. It's it's really weird to see. Um, so yeah, so that's the culture that that we're living in, um, and it's so so people think our, it's people think you're strange to be a Christian, or is it like they don't mind? They just think it's your weird thing, or I mean, you get opposition. Um, definitely from landlords when the church is looking for a space, they're very careful about how they phrase what it, why it is they want the space and mm. what they're looking to do in it. Like, especially in the beginning, in the beginning conversations, like eventually it's got to come out that we're a church and we worship on Sunday, but they're very careful about how they present that idea because they don't want to scare off potential landlords by giving the wrong impression. Right. By saying something that could be taken the wrong way and the landlord automatically shuts the door like they have to proceed very, very cautiously um, and, you know, just like take things very slowly to really gain the landlord's trust and to let them know that um, we're not crazy people. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so in those situations, you do need to be really, really careful. Um, I know like Winifred, the first year that we were here, I found out, um, through having coffee with one of her preschool teachers that the teacher was Christian, but she didn't let her coworkers know about it because she was afraid of what they would think of her, you know? Mm. Um, so she, she kept that to herself. And then and when she told me that she was a Christian, she, Ask that I not share that with um, other people at the school. She didn't want them to know. So, yeah, so that was really interesting, too, whereas I feel like in the U.S. you don't have that pressure to keep that part of your life a secret. Um, but... But yeah, I think I think here there still is some of that. There's a lot of mistrust of organized religion and there's a lot of skepticism about it. So and I think for this girl, I think that she was worried about protecting her job and what her employer might think of her. So I don't know in like a friendly situation if you would hide that from your friends, you know, but mm-hmm. I think maybe in public situations, maybe people are less willing to share yeah. those kinds of details. How, how, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, going back to it being a bilingual church, though, I think that's been kind of a cool thing about it because each, um, basically all of our program materials and like the whole sermon is translated like on the spot from if someone is preaching in Czech, it's translated into English or vice versa. And it's been kind of cool because it has kind of opened doors a little bit for us as not being fluent in Czech, but still being able to like find ways to share the gospel with native Czechs, I think, in addition to understanding their culture better. It's been like a really cool way of, I think, outreach or getting to. Getting yep. to 
who don't know if church to go to or place to go to here. So, mm-hmm. well, that's what I was going to ask. How does that work to be an English Czech church? So, you, like, you preach in one language and translate it, or you sing yeah. songs, or what? How does that? How does like a practical service work, or or do you have small groups in different languages, or is that even a thing there? Or? We so that yeah, like David said, the sermons are all translated. Um, standing up on the stage and yep. basically line by line, just kind of reciting. Yep. So, so and in bigger churches, um, I've heard that they'll sometimes have a section that's translated. So you would sit in like these three rows, for example, and someone would translate someone up front who's just translating the pastor will say a couple lines they'll be translated he'll say a couple more lines they'll be translated again um and they just go back and forth like that through the whole um service um when we do communion it's translated when we do announcements it's translated everything is translated uh when we sing um it's either singing all in English, all in Czech, or it's like a song where half the verses they do in English. And then maybe they'll also do some Czech verses. Um, some Slovaks and then, there. yeah. And the worship leader is Slovak. So sometimes we sing in Slovak. Um, but, uh, we always sing in both languages. So it's usually like three or four songs and it's a combination of Czech and English. Um, so yeah. It's, oh, so yeah. it's cool. Yeah. It is really cool. cool. So is it yeah. always, you, it's always preached, the person preaching is in English and then they translate it or it could be either way, either direction. It's, Both. it's usually English yeah. first because our pastor is an English speaker. Um, okay. But some of our, um, some of our Czech speakers um, have also given a sermon um, some of the elders. And so if the person preaching is a native Czech speaker, then they're translated in, into English. So it depends on who the, who the speaker is, whatever their native language is, that's what will be spoken first. Usually. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. There was a really funny moment. Um, this was a few weeks back. We have one member of our church who's from Honduras and, oh, yeah. and he went up to preach and he spoke in Spanish and then someone translated the Spanish into English, which was then translated into Czech. That's <laughs> awesome. That for just a minute, just to be funny. Just to pretend like. And, and then oh. spoke in English and it was translated. <laughs> but we have um, at, on our team at um, CISP, we have a teacher who goes to church with us. Um, he grew up as a missionary kid um, in South America. And so he grew up speaking Spanish. And so he was the one who got up into translating. Um, so yeah, it was really funny. Was that's really, really funny and kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, that's, it's pretty that's, cool. How, what is like community look like then? Do you meet outside? I mean, because of the smaller size, is that kind of your big, small group or how does that work there? Or what's the model you use for that? We're still working on that. You know, that okay. it's still a work in progress. There are some teams that have been developed. So like, um, I'm on the women's team and the, the mercy team. Um, and then there are some Bible studies that meet uh, a couple times a week. Um, but there are only two of them for the whole church. So there's like a Tuesday night study and a Wednesday night. Um, those haven't worked for David and I to attend. So we haven't been a part of those. Um, but as 
we create more of those things, you know, we would love to be a part of something like a small group. I think we're also in the stage of life though, when you have small children, it's just a little more complicated, right? Like everything is a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think at hope we always hosted a small group and that was so great because then you can put your kids to bed or they can go down to their basement (laughs) and do stuff. And here in Prague, we don't have a basement, you know, like everything's on one floor and our, our kids like our, their bedroom is just on the other side of our living room and you have to walk through the living room to get to their bedroom. Um, so, so it's also like, I think logistically things get a little bit trickier because we've thought about mm-hmm. hosting here too, but it's like, Oh, we don't really have a good place for people to meet where it's not disturbing our children who are trying to go to bed. Um, yeah. so yeah. So for us personally, I think that's been a little bit, a little bit challenging. Um, at this stage, but, but yeah, we'd love to do more of that right now. We've just been working, we've been serving on different teams. Like, um, David does hospitality and then I do, yeah, the mercy team and the women's team. So that's great. Well, it sounds like you have community just even in that, in the launch team and at school too, that would support you. That's kind of definitely. Yeah, definitely at school too. Um, no issue with study at school kind of as a staff too so right so we do get small group opportunities it just looks a little different you know when it's like a 20 minute meeting on wednesdays after school mm-hmm. you know class lets out as like before yep. your work meetings and stuff but but it, i mean we still are developing that community and i think getting that that support so that's been nice yeah the school is um accredited by the association of christian schools international and so all the teachers go through some like like professional development throughout the year and so one of the things we're doing as a staff right now is a book study and it's a book by tim keller um and so then on mondays you either go to a morning discussion group or an evening discussion group and we're all doing this this book together oh nice yeah um i could just see i could see life being isolating or lonely where you are not only just by language but just being new or and and you're and you're unique and being a christian so i was just curious how do you get community because that's hard to do when you're here in minnesota that's hard but it sounds like you have even more opportunities to be isolated or lonely there i think minnesota was a tough nut to crack i will say like moving from michigan to minnesota i think uh it was hard, especially in Minneapolis. A lot of people who live in Minneapolis, I feel like grew up there. Like they love the city and they, they stayed there. And a lot of our good friends there, you know, they're from Apple Valley or they're from, you know, North Branch, which isn't too far away. Um, and I think here, because we got put into this school where the community is more transient by nature, everybody is just so willing to like hang out with you and meet you. But in Minnesota, I think when we first moved there, it just felt like everybody had their friends. They had their friends from high school and they were keeping them. And it was kind of hard in the beginning. I think I think until we joined a small group hope was a game changer for us. Definitely. Like when we found hope that was home. I mean, it was so great. And uh, especially the focus on community. It was just awesome. And we loved it so much. It was really hard to leave hope. And I think visiting this summer, too, it was it was hard because just I mean, I almost cried like Corey, if you're listening, he hugged me when we first when we, we got back in. And he turned around and saw us sitting in the 
almost cried because I was just like, oh, that felt like home. It was just instantly, it felt like coming back to your mom's house, you know? Um, and my mom sold her house, so I can't do that. <laughs> so hope you are my mom's house for me. Um, but here, like, yeah, everybody's moving all the time and there are new people. So it makes it hard because you're saying goodbye all the time. But then initially when you come in, it's so nice because everyone's really welcoming. Everybody's really welcoming and they're all going through this experience with you. Um, I think what's more, what's going to be more difficult is like for our kids to build a strong foundation of friends. And uh, someone actually suggested to us recently, a Czech friend we have who spent some time in the U S she said to keep our kids out of international schools for as long as we can and keep them in the Czech system because they'll have more friends in their neighborhood and who aren't just like leaving every two years. And I think there's some wisdom in that, you know? Mm. Um, so as we look forward to what to do with Winifred, as she enters grade one next year, um, that's something, something to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, if we plunk her in the international setting right away, she'll be saying goodbye to huge chunks of people every year. Whereas if she's in the Czech school, maybe it'll be better for her, you know, to make a few friends who, who stay with her long-term. So, Mm. um, but yeah, for us too, I think that's hard because, um, we don't speak Czech all that well. So most of our friends are the English speakers who are leaving all the time. Um, like a huge chunk of our staff left this year. I mean, and they were all in various stages of having served overseas. Some of them, you know, had been here for 10 years or more and it was just time, you know, for them to move on to something new or go back. And, um, yeah, so that's, that is a challenge. Um, but is that we still have that, mm-hmm. I was going to just ask like what it sounds like there's there could be a few harder things but what would you say is that one of the harder things being there just transient people leaving and or what would be the harder one of the harder things about being there I think not having our family as close as we'd like them, it's, and it's expensive for us to all come home. So we don't, you know, get to like, like this Christmas, we don't have any visitors coming and we're not going anywhere. The first year that we were here, um, Grace, who I was telling you about who lived with us, her brother was studying abroad, uh, the first year we were here and we invited him over for Christmas. So he came and stayed with us and it was like having an uncle over. So that was fun for our kids. And then, Last year, I had two siblings come for Christmas, and we've we've been blessed with quite a few visitors last year. But now, this year, we kind of have hit a dry spell. Nobody is planning on coming for Christmas. We're not going anywhere, and usually for us, that's a family time, and it's like an extended family time. So that will be hard. Um, and we have a lot of good friends who we would love to share our home with or to show them like what it is that we do. And um, yeah, we don't. We definitely don't get to do that with everyone who we would like. Um, Winifred keeps, you know, telling Ellery Klein, you're welcome for Christmas anytime you want. Come on over. And, you know, she's like, all you have to do is buy a plane ticket. And, you know, it's just two planes you take, Ellery. You take one to New York and then you go from New York to Prague. It's just that easy. And she's just trying to talk her into it. Like, um, it's so simple. (laughs) But it's not so simple Mm -hmm. to come here and visit. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds so simple. Just buy yeah. your plane ticket. Well, um, I, I think the other challenge, as has already come up, is is the language too. I think. Um, for me personally, I mean, I think for our family generally, it's important to kind of get out of the bubble too, because like for, for example, I, we speak English at home. We could go to school where everyone speaks English, teach and work all day and come home and never like really interact with Czech language or Czech community necessarily. So like, it's important, I think, to try to break out of that and actually meet people, interact with Czech culture. But knowing so little of the language that's just really hard <laughs> you know so it's like yeah. you, you want to do this but then also i think there's kind of at least from for me personally like some some fear or intimidation to going into a place where i don't know anybody and they maybe don't speak any english and like you know what do i do and you know you so point at me and you tell me to say something yes so, what you do yeah <laughs> but like i think um it was this really weird i I'll, I'll call it a mixed blessing in our first year i broke my elbow while we were here and i had to have surgery and basically having to navig navigate the healthcare system in this country which is you know very different than the u.s and there are so many things where like i think it really pushed me outside of my comfort zone in ways that i probably wouldn't have in that first year when i was still really intimidated by everything but you know when it's your body you don't really have a choice you you know you have to walk into this strange building with no sign on the front and you have to knock on this door and then someone's going to show up and you're going to trust that they you know know what they're doing for physical therapy right mm -hmm. so you know i mean like there are a lot of kind of experiences like that that were really really challenging but i mean i think ultimately you know rewarding or at least like pushing us or challenging us in different ways so the funniest thing about when he broke his elbow though there were two funny things really but the funniest thing was that when he woke up from surgery he did not have jello or yogurt or broth served to him he woke up and he had a whole chicken leg on a plate and a tomato like it was an apple with nothing to cut it just like this big tomato and then a hunk of bread and no utensils like this is just what they gave him was like this, this meal for a viking and um but you know like from their perspective they, they want you to eat protein you've been fasting and nobody asked him by the way if he's he was vegetarian which he's not so it's fine it was not a big deal he was not offended he ate the meat um but yeah, they didn't even ask. They just assumed like, yeah. here you go. This is what we're going to give you. Um, so, and, but that was funny because that was the most unexpected or one of the most unexpected things that happened through that whole process. It's like, we just kind of took for granted that on the surface, everything looks pretty Western. Yeah, it looks like a it, it looks, yeah, everything looks pretty familiar. But then when you start experiencing it, it's, you know, it's kind of like the school we teach at on the surface, it looks very American and it functions in a lot of ways, same way that a school in Minneapolis might. But then when you start experiencing it, you start realizing all the way, these ways that it's definitely not American. It's definitely different from what you envisioned. And uh, yeah, he took a picture of his plate because he was so caught off guard by that meal. It was just so hilarious. And, you know, at one point he was laying in bed and this nurse just like walks up to him, lifts up his shirt and stabs 
the needle. Like she was probably giving him like penicillin or something. I don't know. Um, but she didn't even tell him what it was probably because she knew he spoke English and you wouldn't understand anyway. Um, but here also, like you don't ask the doctors questions. Like they tell you what to do and then you do it. Um, and so, yeah, it's very different in that way. And his hospital room was shared with two other people and, um, like with so little space between them. I mean, so little, it was just really, it was really, the whole thing was really, really different. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, it's, I had, I had to make an emergency room trip to the hospital overnight for an ear infection one night. And they also like, they, um, are very practical here. And so in the evening, a lot of the hallways to the hospital are dark. Like all the lights are turned off because they're conserving energy. And a friend brought me to the hospital one night for this ear infection. And we get to the part, the department that we need, but the door is locked. You have to buzz this like metal box and then you start hearing this loud clicking noise as the nurse is walking down the hall. And as she comes toward you, the lights slowly turn on. And it's like you're in a horror movie. <laughs> it was so terrifying. Because <laughs> ah, we're sitting in this cold stairwell locked in there, basically waiting for the nurse to come down this dark stairwell. And all we can hear is her shoes clicking on the floor. Um, but yeah. Anyway. So we've oh, learned a lot about the culture through the healthcare system. <laughs> That's true. That's um, yeah. as I got a couple last questions here. And then yeah. we, maybe we just need to do this again. There's so many good <laughs> things. Um, two, two big things. Um, I want you to share how we can support you or how people could learn more about what you're doing. Um, if they're even interested in like contacting you or getting to know you or actually like supporting you, whether that in prayer or even uh, funding you somehow or, or financially supporting you, I assume you would accept that. Um, but also, I think before that, I'd love for you to just share with someone real quickly how um, if they're in a place that you were in, you said you had your like 30 uh, year old crisis. Um, yeah. If someone's in a place where they're like, I'm kind of thinking next steps. What's what's this next thing? What are maybe a, one or two things you'd encourage them with in thinking through that and taking steps? Well, I think for us, um, we realized that we had said we would be willing to pick up and go. Like we had often said, like we would be willing to do that. And then we realized we're willing and we say we're willing, but we haven't applied for anything. We haven't actually put our name in the ring anywhere. And so, um, that realization, was kind of what started the ball rolling, um, and really got us into like the mode of researching and talking with others. So I think, you know, if you are in that place and you feel like God is calling you to pick up and go, um, then I think you need to listen to that feeling. And I think that you need to follow through and uh, see where it leads you. You know, you need to apply for something. You need to talk to someone you trust who's gone before you and um, ask them for some wisdom. You know, I think that was really helpful for us was talking to people who had done what it was that we were looking to do and hearing their stories. Um and then, and then just actually applying like that 
was the biggest step was just putting our names out there and going through the process of, um, getting all the recommendations we needed. And it's, you know, it's a big application process as it should be, right? Like it's not, it's not easy to pick up and go. It sounds easy. Um, but it's a lot of work, you know, and you do need a lot of people supporting you, but it's, it's so incredible. It's been so amazing. And I think we're, we're just continually thankful for the opportunity to be here and to um, share the gifts that we have and get to do the things that we love every day and um, share Jesus's name with people who haven't even heard of him. You know, that's just so crazy. (laughs) Um, So yeah. And then I think to the, to your other point about, um, you'd asked about supporting us. Um, we can, we could give our email addresses. That'd probably be a good way to contact us. But yeah, I mean, we are certainly, um, for our first two years, our funding came in lightning quick. I mean, it was so fast. Um, but now for subsequent years, um, we're, we're at a point where we're underfunded right now, actually. So, yeah, so we would certainly never turn away anyone who said, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to support you. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Um, so because I think for uh, for any person who's looking to serve overseas, usually funding is the biggest one of the biggest barriers. So, you know, like we had to read this book for Teach Beyond called The God Ask. And I, th- I want to say it's like in the first chapter, but they uh, talk about how most people who want to serve overseas or in any kind of missions, in any capacity where they have to fundraise, the fundraising is what turns them off and turns them away. And and it, it is awkward. It, it totally can be. But if you really believe in what it is that God's asking you to do, then really you're just asking people whether or not, um, they want to partner with you. And Andy Karski said something really wise. I'm going to see if I can remember exactly how he phrased it, but he said, every time you talk to someone, you're just gathering information about them and you're sharing information about yourself. You're telling them, this is where I'm at. And then if they say no, they're just you were there at and they're not rejecting you as a person they're just giving you information so it's okay if they say no and that was so helpful I think um for us as we went about that whole process of support raising and as we continue to do it you know just because we're here now doesn't mean that we're not fundraising anymore it doesn't your your need to be supported doesn't go away um it's a it's an ongoing process but yeah that was that was so great. And he was one of those people that we went to, um, when we were initially talking about coming overseas, there were like, I mean, I could name so many people for you, but we had so many people speak into our lives and, um, come alongside us and coach us and support us. And you need that, you know, um, you really need that. So it's not something you can do on your own from the beginning or in the middle or at the end, any stage you need, you need a team of people. Um, yeah, yeah. but our well, email, well, we can put, we'll put, um, we'll put whatever information you can get it to me. We'll put it on the okay. podcast or they can, you can always email podcast at hopecc.com or go on our website and look at our, um, get information to connect to hope. And we'll get that to the right person at hope who can get it okay. to you. Um, cool. 
we can figure that out. If someone wants to support you financially, we will find a way to connect them to you. Um, also, just yeah. I was wondering, through just even prayer, are there specific ways we can be praying for you? Um, I would guess list, like me just talking to you makes me want to add you to my weekly prayers. And um, are there ways people could, what's the, the best things to pray for you? That's a big question. I think, <laughs> I think right now, um, well, like I mentioned, like we're not fully funded anymore. We were for the first two years, but we had some really, really generous gifts that, um, kind of helped buffer our monthly support, which has never been at a hundred percent. And so now that those bigger gifts are gone, um, now we're, we're underfunded by a little bit. So that's a concern and that's stressful, right? So not know where your paycheck is coming from all the time. Um, it's been so cool to see the way that God has provided through, um, other kinds of gifts or avenues, but it's stressful to have to be thinking about that every month. Like where, where is our funding going to come from? Um, our, you know, well, you know, but I don't know if everyone knows our five-year-old is diabetic and specifically like just in the past couple of weeks, we've had a lot of difficulty with high blood sugar. And so that has been super stressful. Um, it's like, I was up with her until 2am, uh, this yesterday, I should say this morning, I guess it's still the same 24 hour period, but yeah, I was up until 2am and, uh, it took that long to get things under control. And then by breakfast time, things were out of control again. And then at 10 AM, I got a call from school and then, you know, again at like one o'clock school called, I mean, it's just been today all day. We've been having difficulty and we've had more and more days like that. She's probably growing, which is good. She should be growing, but it growing causes so many problems with your blood sugar that it's been really hard. Um, I think like we mentioned earlier at the holidays, we're usually with family and we don't get to be this year. So specifically for this year, like that's going to be hard that, that we're here without any family. Um, and, and we're not going anywhere. Um, so that'll be, yeah, definitely something to keep in prayer. Um, I don't know. Do you have, yeah, I mean, I would say generally speaking, just, I mean, I think being a teacher, especially at a school like this, you really just get a lot of insight into what's going on in kids' lives and the struggles they're going through. And, you know, some kids dealing with stuff that's just like way beyond anything I ever had to deal with when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. So, I mean, I think, I mean, it's cool that we get to be in a spot where we get to talk to kids about that and be praying for them about that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I think, you know, it's... Yeah, just generally speaking, to be in this community, I mean, I, there's a lot of kids that really need Jesus here, and, you know, not all of them are necessarily receptive to that message. So, I mean, I think just prayer for the school, prayer for the, the students there, and for us as teachers to, I guess, mm -hmm. be, a, be a voice in their, in their lives. I think for our church plant right now, they're looking for um, a different space to meet in. We're already starting to outgrow the bar where we um, and they found a space that um, they've started some conversations about that sounds really great. Um, so just prayer that that avenue would continue um, to open and that might become a possibility. Um, 
Yeah, the bar is very inexpensive, which has been an enormous blessing to a brand new church because um, we don't have a lot of funds. Um, but it's it's been hard because um, sometimes the toilets aren't working and, you know, it's a bar, so it's not super clean. Um, and we're already going so um so that's hard too so you're kind of like crammed into this small not quite clean um area every sunday um and it would be nice to have something that was a little bit bigger a little bit more stable a little bit more clean and functional (laughs) um yeah but that's probably those are probably the big ones i think um we can do that we can handle that yeah, you got we'll that. Pray. You got all that. I know. I know. Um, thank you so much. This was really encouraging to know a little bit of what, what life is like. Um, do you have any shout outs you want to give to anyone before we we uh, close up here? Oh, sorry. Um, girls who live in our house, they call themselves the cottage gals. Um, and they are part of a hope small group that meets on Monday nights. So thanks to Jenny and the girls for doing such a nice job. Uh, Stacy Klein for being an anchor in all of life at all times. Um, she's incredible. Um, um, we can give a shout out to Matt Levere too, because I miss being in a small group with him. We were in a small group for a really long time and leaders, co-leaders for that and a hospitality team. Well, thanks, Legos, for sharing what God's doing in your lives, in your school, in your church. It's really encouraging to hear what God's doing. If you'd like to get connected to the Legos, hear more about what they're doing, what God's doing, or just encourage them or maybe even support them in some way, you can do that through our notes in our podcast. We'll try to add some links. And also, you can email hope at hopecc.com and we'll get you connected. Also, thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, checking out our podcast. You can also check out our sermon podcasts for our different locations. And there's more episodes of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.